only seven feast days in the Old Testament that, that God gave to Israel in the Old Testament. See, the, the Old Testament is physical realities and pictures of the spiritual reality of the New Testament. Everything in the Old Testament you can see being fulfilled in the New Testament. That's why the Old Testament is so important. The book of Genesis just shows how God's creation brings forth. There was a first Adam, and then there was a second Adam, Jesus Christ. There's all this cool stuff. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. I could go on for a long time, but I do want to share with you the seven um, feast days that God instituted so that we would see this picture all through history of Jesus fulfilling every single one of them on the exact day that they took place. Come on. That could only be, yeah, that could only be Jesus. So the first one of these seven that God gave to Israel was called the Feast of Passover. And Passover, the feast day, what it was about is, and I was yelling Holy Spirit the whole first service, so I'm trying to keep my voice, but hey, thank you, Holy Spirit. More, more, more. Come, Holy Spirit. This is going to be good. But the first one was Passover. Passover, what it means is that the death angel passed over those who took the blood of the lamb. It had to be a pure, spotless lamb, by the way. They sacrificed, they had the blood of the lamb, they put it on their doorpost in the sign of a cross. They also ate the flesh of the lamb, broken body of Christ. And when that was done, this meal, and, and Sally Joe, is she still here or is she with the kids? There you are. She does a great job of the Passover feast. If anybody ever wants to learn more about the Passover and, and the observance of it, how it pictures Christ and how it points to Christ, go spend a Passover meal with her. It's so cool. Um, so anyway, th this Passover was given to God for them to keep as a memorial. Jesus comes on the Passover day exactly, has the Last Supper that night, and dies on the cross exactly on that day. That is not a coincidence. He became the blood, the spotless lamb that basically the death angel no longer had control of us. Come on, we were born again into the family of God because his blood washed us clean and his broken body, by his stripes we are healed. Exactly on the day that was Passover. I'm going to go through each of these feasts, um, hopefully quickly. Oh, Father, give me, oh, hallelujah. You know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's already here in power and in might. And if we don't get through this with the preaching part, I'm going to tell you right now that there's going to be many of you that are going to be touched by this Pentecost. Because Pentecost, what it really is all about, it's when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church and empowered the church to be who they are, the bride of Christ, until Jesus the groom comes and takes them for a seven-day or seven-year bridal celebration. They will then come back and return with Jesus Christ to rule and reign on this earth forever and ever. These seven feast days show all of that in detail. And I don't want to get ahead, but let me go to the second feast day, and that's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What that is, is a feast that where the seed, the unleavened bread, <clears throat> basically the seed of that bread was put into the ground. The seed of the bread was put into the ground. As that was hidden away or put into the ground, I'm going to read, a, I'll just read a verse. This will catch you on to how Jesus fulfilled that. 
It is. If I can find it. Thank you. I tell you this truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus gave his life, and for three days he was in the ground. Come on. A seed germinating in the ground. What you sow, you're going to reap. He fulfilled that on the exact day of that feast. It's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the second one he fulfilled. The third one is called the Feast Day of First Fruits. As that seed is in the ground. Oh, hallelujah, you're going to get this. Come on. As that seed is in the ground, all of a sudden that seed sprouts up and produces fruit. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of resurrection. Hallelujah. And we will follow him in the resurrection. Amen. And he fulfilled that on the exact day. That's called, we call it Easter or we call it resurrection day. That's really the day of first fruits where the first fruits of resurrection rose up into God's hands. And we became part of that fruit because of his resurrection, because of his seed being buried, and his seed becoming alive again and being resurrected. Hallelujah. Right on the day. Right on the exact day. Come on. Somebody tell me that the Old Testament is irrelevant. That's a bunch of malarkey. This picture of Jesus Christ is all through the Old Testament. And then comes up to the, the fourth beast. Oh, that's the one called Pentecost. <laughs> Pentecost. Pentecost is the feast of, I get the name of it, the, the Jewish name of it. I got it written down here. And I, Shabbat, is it Shabbat? What is it? Yeah, well, Pentecost means 50 days because what happened is Jesus wrote, resurrected. He hung out with the disciples and other people for 40 days after his resurrection. And then he says, hey, folks, here's what you got to do. You got to go away and pray. I have to bring power to you and power is going to come by my spirit. So I want you to go away and pray. They will go to the upper room for 10 days to pray in prayer. He tells them that power is going to come from them on, from on high. He leaves, and that's in Acts chapter 1-8. He leaves, goes up to heaven right on the exact day of Pentecost, the feast day of the Old Testament Exactly on the day the Holy Spirit came with fire and with power and filled that place and the church was born. Hallelujah. Come on. The fire of the Holy Spirit came right on that exact day. Thank you, Lord. And that's the day we celebrate. Today, it's Pentecost. But here's part of what happened at Pentecost. If you go back to the Old Testament, Moses is coming down off the mountain with the law. And he sees all the people. And idolatry, they're dealing with this calf, golden calf. He breaks the, what, the Ten Commandments. 3,000 die on that day. Israel was born to the law, and none of us can become righteous under the law. When the Holy Spirit came on that same day, Pentecost. That happened on Pentecost. That happened on that feast day that they were supposed to celebrate, the giving of the law. On that same exact day, the giving of the Holy Spirit mm. came to the church. Come on. Yeah. And we live a new life because of the Holy Spirit in it. Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Because it's the Spirit of God that he's given us. It happened on Pentecost. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
And it says, because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So that's what we celebrate on this day. Now, I want to share the other three feasts real quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the feast, but it seems like I am. Lord, let's move along. Help me. Help me. Help me. Thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> the next feast is actually four months after. These four feasts that Jesus already fulfilled, There's the next one is four months later. And Jesus said something when he walked on the earth. He says about the harvest. He talked about the harvest. He says, yeah, the harvest is in four months. He was speaking prophetically that there will be a harvest at the end of age when he comes back and returns. But I'm telling you right now that the fields right now are white to harvest. And I need some laborers. That four-month time from the Feast of Pentecost until the uh, Feast of uh, Trumpets is actually called the Church Age. It's called the Age of the Bride. And that's the age that we're in right now. And if you don't understand what's going on with that, Jesus basically is the second Adam. And in the first Adam, what happened to him? He was put to sleep. And what came out of his rib, out of his side? Eve, right? Woman. Come on, Jesus became the second Adam. And when he was put to sleep, and when he died, out of his side was born the bride of Christ. Yeah. Come on, the second Adam. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. Just as in the book of Genesis, man got woman from being put to sleep in his side. Jesus bore the church. And the church has a church age where we're on this earth awaiting the return of our bridegroom to come and get us. Now, here's how it works in the Old Testament. This is what happens. It's really cool. If you look at the marriage feast of the Jewish people, the Orthodox, way back into the Old Testament, not the newest ones, but how it worked with a marriage is, you're my dad. I'd have to go to you and say, Dad, I want to marry this woman. You would tell me that I'd have to go away and prepare a house for her. And then I would have to return to her at your approval at a day that you know to come and get my bride. And then I take her away. And the feast takes Seven years that I get to, I'm, seven days, sorry, seven years is the tribulation part. Seven days, me and my bride get to be locked away having a marriage supper together. And then the two of us come out and give ourselves to the world. For Jesus is going to take us away, his bride, to a marriage supper. Hallelujah. And it's all through, if you look at the Old Testament, if you look at these pictures and see what it says. That he comes for the bride, us. And he takes us away into heaven. It's called the catching away of his bride. You know, some people call it rapture. Rapture isn't in the Bible. Yeah. But all through the Bible, especially First and Second Thessalonians, they thought they missed it. So Paul's telling them, you did not miss it. All these other things have to happen first before Jesus comes and takes you back. So some people say, well, in 1800s, that word rapture came into being, and that's where it came from. That's bull. That is bull. First and Second Thessalonians talks about the catching away. You guys got to get into the Word of God and understand the Word of God and quit listening to all these people's commentaries. They're leading you astray. 
Anyway, back, back, let's go back. So the next one is the Feast of Trumpets. This one hasn't been fulfilled yet. The Feast of Trumpets, what that is, is they blow the trumpets to gather the people together so that they can follow after God. So they blow the trumpets. All Israel is supposed to come together, follow after God. It says that Jesus, when that trumpet blows, will gather his bride together and take us to a marriage feast. Hallelujah. That happens in September. By the way, the scripture does say also, in Jesus' own words, that when the fig tree shoots, its branches are just branching out when it's young and just beginning. See the sign of the fig tree because the generation that sees the sign of Israel being reborn again because Israel is the fig tree will not pass away until he comes to take his bride home for a marriage supper. Seventy years on May 15th, Israel has been a nation. Some of you will have to understand and know by looking at the Word of God and understanding what the Word of God is trying to tell us. The Holy Spirit makes the Word of God real. And as we understand and know the book, the Holy Spirit takes us into the presence of God the Father and into the presence of Jesus Christ. It's the picture and the power of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, that's the piece of trumpets. Church gets pulled up, goes into a seven-year marriage celebration, comes back and returns on Another feast day, it's called the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, in the Old Testament, what happened is a priest would go in once a year and give um, sacrifice for the sins of the people. When Jesus returns, he will separate the sheep and the goats. There's going to be an atonement. Everyone's going to have to atone for how they lived. Either you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or you walked in the world and you got eternal damnation. That's what the scriptures show. Matter of fact, those who don't believe in hell or lake of fire, there's over 150 verses, so I don't know how you're going to wipe those out of your Bible. That was for somebody here that kind of starting to fall into that lie. So that's the, the last one, is the Feast of Tabernacles. What they did in the Old Testament is they lived in tents for 40 years, wandering through the wilderness, right? God tabernacled with them. Remember the presence of God? Moses would go into the tent of glory. God tabernacled with them. So the feast day was called the Feast of Tabernacles. When Jesus Christ comes back with his bride, and there's a day of atonement, there's going to be a tabernacling of Jesus Christ for a thousand years on this earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a picture of Jesus Christ coming back and ruling and reigning and living with man for a thousand years. All the scripture lines up to show these things. What about Pentecost? So let's get back to this day because this is so cool. I just want to give you an analogy of Pentecost. I'm going to ask you to stand up, Dennis, and you're going to be God. And Barry, you're going to be Jesus. Come on up here. God, Jesus. Right here. Come on over here by the God. Come on, let's get going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I never could have ever, and I, it's only a joke. You never boss around God. So God, Jesus, uh, you're on the right hand. You're on his right hand. Right hand. Well, yeah, you, I guess you're right. <laughs> okay, you're on the right hand of God. 
You're seated at the right hand of God. You're going to be a picture of the church or of the individual body. You're going to go way over here. Way over here. Come on. I'm going to get to be the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you in a picture realm of what the Holy Spirit's job is. The Holy Spirit takes the bride of Christ and loves on the bride of Christ and teaches them all things and shows them all things and walks with the bride of Christ. Almost like it's a marriage procession and presents the bride of Christ to her husband Jesus and to her father God. And when the things of the world, and she starts looking at the things of the world, the Holy Spirit job is to try to keep her Keep her focused. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is. You guys can sit down. Does that make sense? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given in power to take us. It says in the scripture that he will lead us into all truth. Jody, how would you like to have all truth? Colleen, all, all truth. He leads us into all truth. It doesn't say... You know, hey, I'm going to give you some of the truth sometimes. <laughs> all truth. He says he leads us into all truth. This is John 16, 13. I will lead you into all truth. And guess what, Rick? He's going to show you things to come. Amen. He shows us things to come. How does the Holy Spirit show us the future? Well, basically, he makes this thing real. Didn't I just go through seven feasts that actually show some of the future? Yeah. The Holy Spirit makes the Word of God real. And when he makes the Word of God real, the things that we... Look at mystery in the flesh and don't understand, become alive. So the Holy Spirit takes things of future and makes them real to us. Matter of fact, the revelation of Jesus Christ isn't about half of that book, future. Come on. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. Whoo, hallelujah. <laughs> now, now let's, uh, I just want to share a bunch of verses about the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit's going to fall in this place in a big way. I know that. I, I feel it. I sense it. Matter of fact, I feel the fire already. I don't know about you all, but I can feel the. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. And I, and I believe that if we saw it happen before, the testimony of Pentecost happening over 2,000 years ago, that once we see something, God says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it's ours forever. And so I'm saying on this day of Pentecost, that you're going to move in a new realm of glory in the Holy Spirit. That if you haven't been touched by the Holy Spirit, you are about to get touched by the Holy Spirit. And anybody who wants it is going to get it more than they could ever dream or think or ask. In the mighty name of Jesus, I know this. I can guarantee this is going to happen. So i got to get moving on because I want to get into the altar ministry where he's going to really get all over you. Hallelujah. So let me just share some scriptures about the Holy Spirit first so I can kind of build you up in what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing within you. More, Lord. More of your water. Um, first of all, he's indwelling in every believer. Every believer that asked has received already the power of the Holy Spirit. The only problem with some believers is the Holy Spirit's trapped inside of you and he wants to get out. Those are called unbelieving believers. But it says in John 14, 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it doesn't see him, neither does it know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall always be with you. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do in you and has done. See, the only time the Holy Spirit ever really, and the Holy Spirit doesn't leave because he says he's always with you, 
if Deb started to, the bride would start turning around, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll try to stop, but he won't ever leave her. If she goes off into sin, he's still going to be right there trying to woo her back. But there's something called quenching the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. And this is what a lot of Christians do, and I'm going to read it. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Quench not the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Jesus said it this way, But if you shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven, and you're in danger of, danger of eternal damnation. Well, there's that word again. Jesus said that, by the way. This is one that uh, we pastors like to use a lot, but there was these two folks that lied to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And sometimes it was about giving. So this was a way that you know, pastors like to talk, you know, maybe we can increase our tithes if we just keep talking about Ananias and Sapphira a lot. Because they lied to the Holy Spirit and they died right on the spot because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Maybe if we just did that maybe once a year with folks, you know, just that would get their attention and maybe we'd get that tithes and offerings straightened out. Anyway, that, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> that's something else. And that's in, by the way, if you want to look at it yourself, that's in Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Because they lied to the Holy Spirit, God just, they're dead. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Um, let me go through just a couple of verses here. Um, Christ is the giver of the Holy Spirit. It says in Matthew 3.11, John was talking to people around him. He says, I indeed, I indeed baptize you with water and unto repentance. But the one who comes after me is mightier than I am, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus died for us on the cross, began to teach after he died on the cross that there's going to be a power that comes on you. My spirit will come on you, and you will be baptized into the spirit. The power is in the spirit. It's not in you. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you a couple more. Luke 11.13 says, um, how do you get the Holy Spirit? This is how you get it. Um, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him? It comes by just asking. You ask God for the Holy Spirit. The God says, hey, yeah, I wanted to give it more than you. I wanted to give my Spirit to you more than you wanted it. The problem is, is you've been crowding them all out with your own flesh. Now, if you want the Holy Spirit, come on. I'll give them to you. That's what that word says. It says all you got to do is ask. We make this big thing about receiving the Holy Spirit. And people are all, oh, I don't know if I want to get the Holy Spirit. You do want to get the Holy Spirit because if you ever get a hold of the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit has on you, look out, you're going to start walking in your purpose and destiny. Your life will be changed. You won't be in the mess that you're in. Come on, everything, everything that your destiny and purpose is, is in the Holy Spirit. It's not in your flesh. And when you yield your flesh to it, you begin, you begin, come on, to walk in the power that you were created for. But we get into this timid thing about trying to, what job am I going to do? What am I going to do? What color is the carpeting? Where am I going? Oh, instead of allowing the power of the Holy Spirit take you on these incredible journeys, come on. And then lead you right into the presence of your bridegroom forever and ever. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He empowers us for service. It says in Acts 1.8, Jesus said these words, but ye shall receive power 
after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How in the world are we going to witness to other people? It doesn't come by you doing it in your own flesh. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit coming through you and touching other people. It comes through signs and wonders that the Holy Spirit does because it's set on heaven as it is on earth. It's the will of God. So everything that is in heaven comes with the Holy Spirit. And when you touch people, they get, should be getting healed in Jesus' name because it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. Come on. Come on, is anybody getting this? Come on. It's Jesus' power of his spirit that wants to touch this world. And if we yield, he will use us to touch this world. We need a new revival, a new fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon the church so we walk back in the destiny and purpose that we were created for. Come on. Jesus is the answer of his power of his spirit in us. Ooh. Ooh. Actually, it even says that he shows us. Just as we walk Deb over and says, there's daddy. There's your husband. The Holy Spirit does this. Let me share these verses. Romans 8, um, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. <laughs> you will forever be the child of God. And the Holy Spirit's the one who teaches you and shows you and has it in your heart. Never think in your mind, as we were learning in that class over there, never put a thought in your mind that's not from God. Because when you do, you're lessening and putting yourself down here. God has you up here. He's got his Holy Spirit up here. And he's got great things for you to do if you walk in those things. But we put all this, oh, woe is me, oh, and we whine and we complain and we talk about people and we gossip and we go off and we think that, well, if I can get this drug or that drug, if I can get into this addiction, I can go you know, medicate my problems when all we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts so that you can cry, Abba, Father. We can cry to Father God. And you know, that's not a, not a, weird thing to say and some guys are thinking well that's kind of mushy and weird I can cry out to daddy that's what that means I can cry out to daddy I can cry out to Abba Father he's my dad he's my eternal father forever and ever and the Holy Spirit makes that real to you and if you have a problem with that you've got to get into the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to clean that part of you up because you may have had some problems in this world with worldly fathers matter of fact look at our nation look at this world look at our big cities where are the fathers so the enemy has done a good job of making fathers look like there's something less. But Heavenly Father, Abba Father, Daddy is good all the time. All the time. And the Holy Spirit is the one who shows you that and makes that real to you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit showing you that. Um, let me go through a few more. He's our teacher. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I say to you. He will bring all the things of the word. Isn't Jesus called the word? Jesus is talking. So Jesus is called the word of God. And what he's saying is I will, he will take me, the word, and make all these things real to you. You want to know and understand the word of God? Come on. Let the Holy Spirit show you. I've got hundreds of verses here. I've got to cut this down. though. Let me give you a couple more. First uh, Corinthians two thirteen says, um, "Which things we also speak not in words of man's wisdom that it teaches, 
but in the Holy Spirit, which Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Spirit has come to be a teacher to us, not the world. Mm. Spirit guides us into all truth. I mentioned this one before. This is John uh, 16, 13. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, and whatever you shall he, he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you all things. Wow. Wow. Uh, Acts 10, 19. While Peter... Now, here's another thing. People come to me and say, which way do I go? Where do I go? I want counseling. I can't find my way. I, you know what? Here's, here's what I tell people, and I joke sometimes, but some of them can take it. And I said this to the earlier service. I want you to go fast and pray for three days. Bring your Bible and go talk to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's done talking to you after the three days, you come back to me and see if you've got any issues that we need to counsel on. You won't have any if you really do get in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's the Holy Spirit, what he does. He directs our path. And it says that right in the scriptures. Here there, he's directing um, them in the book of Acts. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit, oh, and fasted. Somebody said, hmm, never mind, I won't go there. Somebody told me that fasting isn't New Testament. Here it is in the book of Acts. And the Lord, and they fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, or Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, to do the work that I've called them to. So he's directing the selection of leaders to go to different areas. He also chooses the field of operation for us. You want to know what you're supposed to do in life? Here you go. Here's the Holy Spirit, Acts 16.6. Now when they had gone throughout Persia in the regions of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The Holy Spirit says, you go here, you go here, you're not going there. You want to know how to live your life? Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll show you where to go. Romans 8, 14 says, As many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You want to be led by God? You want to be the sons of God? Listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. We're doing a, a, a thing that called, what's it called, Dennis? The, the Whispers? Something, we're doing a, a, a DVD called The Whispers where we attune our ears to the Word of God and listen for the Word of God. All of us have the same Holy Spirit. It's no junior Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. And God is always talking. Matter of fact, God is called the Word. So he's always got something to say to you. If you're not hearing it, then open your ears to the Holy Spirit. And if it takes time and you don't hear anything, that's okay. Make the time. What is the most important thing in your life right now? It better be hearing the voice of God. That better be your time in his presence. That better be him guiding your life. If you've got something else that's crowding out your life that you want to do in your life, whether it's your job, whether it's your hobby, whether it's your games, whether it's your addiction, you are not hearing from God because of those things. And you need to get that cleaned up. Yeah. You can't hear from God because of you, not because God isn't talking. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. And we need to have a new falling, a fresh falling, a fresh wind to blow through this place. I can feel the wind of the Holy Spirit coming in this place. I feel that wind wants to clean out all the dust and dirt within you. The Holy Spirit wants to touch you today more than you even want it today. And those who hunger for it will get it. I guarantee that. I know that because the Word of God says it. If you want it, you yield to Him. He will come in a mighty way. And maybe you've had infillings before. Well, it's time to get filled up more. Cry out more. You know, I was watching Randy Clark pray for people. And he's got a great healing ministry. You know, he doesn't say a lot of words. He says, you know, if it's a knee injury, um, knee be healed in Jesus' name. 
And he might pray for people for five minutes, but it might be quiet. He might just say, more, more Holy Spirit, more, more. It's not him doing all this. It's, he begins to be a funnel for which the Holy Spirit pours out of him and touches other people. Every single one of you are supposed to be that. Every one of you are a vessel in which the power of the living God out of heaven's glory flows through you and touches other people. That's how we'll change this nation. That's not Republican, Democrat. It's Jesus and him flowing out of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to, we need to allow and yield to that. There's nothing greater in your life. I'm telling you, it's the greatest ride you'll ever find. There's no amusement park that can ever, come on, compared to the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. And then Jesus um, said that his spirit gives life. Look at, listen to this in John 6, 63. And it is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Have I been speaking spirit to you? Does it bring life? That's what the word of God says. Not because of some pastor up here or somebody speaking it. It's because of the power of the word of God flowing through the Holy Spirit. It will touch you and it will bring abundant life. It will bring life into your life. Come on. You need that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just, I'm just going to close with a couple of, of things here. Because I hear the sound. Mm, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. Come on. I hear the sound. There's going to come a suddenly. There's going to come a suddenly on your life right now. There's a suddenly coming to you right now. I'm just going to read the, something out of my Bible. It says that we need to get back, back to a Pentecost restoration. First, restoration means that the church will display the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated in his ministry on earth. By this love, he said, all men will know that my disciples. Why? Because of his love that's in us. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit that brings that love. Restoration also means the re release of God's power without, come on, the Holy Spirit operating. Or, sorry, without any hindrance of the Holy Spirit. Without any restriction of the Holy Spirit, Spirit at the direction of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. If the church would get back to the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And then it says, through the full operation of the gifts and the ministries of God that he appoints, operating in love, the church will leave, reach a level of maturity and unity that can only be measured by Ephesians 4.13, the stature and fullness of Jesus Christ. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, we need a new Pentecost today. I'm telling you, we need a new fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today. Come on, this is some of the names and titles of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the spirit of power. He's the spirit, of, he's your comforter. He is your, uh, I'm going to, matter of fact, I'm going to just stop. I, you know what? I'm going to ask you to put that uh, CD on. We're going to start having altar ministry. Because I could keep going, but I hear him. I hear him saying, it's time. It's time. I want to fall. I want to touch people right now. So I'm going to just read some of these to you. And then I'm going to ask you to stand after I read them. He's called your comforter. He's called your eternal spirit. He's called the free spirit of God. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the spirit of the highest. He's called your spirit of adoption, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of glory, the spirit of God. Come on. He's the spirit of grace. He's a um, spirit of holiness, spirit of judgment, spirit of knowledge, spirit of life, 
Spirit of the Lord God, Spirit of might, come on, Spirit of the Father, Spirit of the Son, Spirit of understanding, and the Spirit of wisdom. And He wants to live in you. You can turn that up. I don't know why they turned it down. <laughs> By the way, I hope you got it this time. Did you guys get this one recorded? They didn't record the first session. <laughs> hey, you got it? Hallelujah. They won't record what's about to happen because you can't 